The interview with our guest today is one that we have talked about in the past, but I want to revisit this topic again because it's just so incredibly, so incredibly important to talk about. And I know that so many people have different perspectives when it comes to this topic. So I think it's really great to hear from other people. And our guest today is going to be talking about self-trust, self-doubt, and quote-unquote imposter syndrome. So you're going to hear some personal stories that she went through and how she was able to differentiate between self-doubt and imposter syndrome. And again, this is something that we've all come up again against at one point or another. And I know that we talk about it a lot, but we just need to talk about it again. But in her business, she is a personal style coach. She helps people who are ready to finally nail their personal style, learn to shop strategically, and show up fully as their authentic self inside and out. So you can learn more about her on Instagram at Elise Holiday and on her website, elisestyle.com. So welcome to the show, Elise. I am so glad that you are here. I'm so glad to be here. I'm really excited about this because being fairly early in my business, I think that's something that doesn't, you, like, you don't hear from people at that stage, right? You hear from people who are already very successful. So I'm excited to, to share and just really, really honored to be here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, of course. And that's one of the big things that I wanted to do differently with this podcast was showcase people at all levels of business because the whole like new level, new devil thing, it's, it's so true. And sometimes it's hard when you are further along to forget what happened back in those early stages. So, so glad that you are here. But before we talk about self-trust, self-doubt, all of that, I want to hear a little bit more about you, your background. What led you to even start this business in the first place? Yeah. So I am, like I said, I'm relatively new in business. I quit my full-time job in March of 2020. My last day was March 13th, which is the day that we went into shelter in place here in Austin. So I have impeccable timing. Um, and But this is really kind of like my second career. And I think a lot of entrepreneurs come come to their business in that same way, right? Like you have a whole career and then at some point you're like, this isn't really fulfilling me anymore. And so that was definitely what what it was for me. So I was a software engineer, a developer, and a product manager in tech for about 10 years. Um, I left that right at the statistical 10-year mark for women. So, you know, love being a statistic. Um, but, you know, I, I was really looking for something that was more fulfilling to me, something that was a little more value-driven, something that I was just a little bit more excited about and and started i again i think the way that a lot of entrepreneurs do which is just like i i just have an idea like i have a thing that i'm kind of interested in um you know maybe i can help other people do this like what could this be like um you know i'm sure that there are people out there who are like i am going to have a business and like i am going to make this product and like make a lot of money with it and that's like where they start but i think a lot of us are just like hmm this is interesting. Like, what do I do with this? Like, can I make this a thing? And, you know, for me, that was, that was personal style and that was personal style coaching and trying to think about how do I turn my own journey around clothes and style and respecting my body and thinking about how I shop and how I spend my money. Like I went through my whole personal journey with that. And then I was realizing that I was having these conversations with other people. And I was like, wait, like this is really interesting and it's interesting to them and I'm actually helping them think about things in kind of a different way like could I could I turn this into something um and that was really the beginning of 
I mean, I, I say my entrepreneurship adventure because it really was like when I left my job, like I had a handful of child clients and a small Instagram following that I had from like posting my own journey. Like, I know you hear all the time, like stay in your job until you have, you know, you've made this much money. And then like, I just was like, I'm out of here. Like, let's figure it out. Um, and then of course COVID. And so it was like, well, we're just gonna, we're just gonna see what happens. Yeah. I love your whole like jump in the net will appear mentality. I know people say that all the time and it's kind of cliche, but I mean, that's when you really do, I don't want to say like reach different levels of success, but like when your back is up against the wall, that's when you see who you really are, right? Like that's when you can see what you're truly made of. And I, I love that. And I also did not know that the 10 year point was a statistic for women with leaving their job. So I guess I'm a statistic too. Yeah. As well. So it, uh, I think that is a statistic in STEM. So tech, science, math. Um, I think there's a Harvard Business Review study that they did. And um, it's really interesting if you want to look it up. I mean, of course, like motherhood is one big part of it. Right. But it's also, I mean, all the things that we know to be true, right? Like toxic workplace culture, your toxic boss, you're not getting promoted, like all of these things. Um, and, you know, they, they all come into play for all of us in different ways. And so that's just sort of like the midpoint of like, of people for whatever reason, for any reason. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, that's so interesting. Well, I was, I am not part of the STEM group. That is the opposite side of the realm that I'm on, but still I'll call myself a statistic. Why not? Yeah, perfect. <laughs> but, but, I, but I think it's, I think it's all the, the stuff and we'll talk about imposter syndrome later, but being in a workplace, the pressures that you face, the, you know, again, your toxic boss, like all those things, those don't exist only in STEM like fields. Sure. Um, sure. So yeah. You, yeah. Yeah. You're a statistic too. <laughs> yeah. Let's just go with it. But I would love to know, was there like, was there a certain point or a catalyst for you leaving or was it just something you've been thinking about for a while? Oh, I mean, both. So I, um, I had been telling myself, wait until you have, wait until you have more clients. You know, I had done some trial clients and I was like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to keep, you know, I was making good money. So it's like, I'm going to, I'm going to stay here and I'm going to, you know, see if I can get up to this le certain level, whatever that looks like with clients. And then I'm going to leave like once I can replace a certain amount of my income. But uh, what I was finding was that in my particular role and with my particular team and my particularly toxic manager, it was just so emotionally draining. Like I didn't have time to think about my business. And, you know, I want to say here too, like, it's a real privilege for me financially. Like my husband works and he was able to support me that I was able to quit my job at a place like where we had savings and like, he was able to to pay the bills while I was trying to, you know, figure it out and like not make any money. But I think, you know, there were a couple of different turning points. Um, uh, you know, I think things kind of came to a head at work. Um, I got my year end bonus and, but then I also, so like those things were like, oh, I was going to stay for my bonus. And now that I don't have that, it was like harder to convince myself. Um, but another thing that happened actually was talking to, um, an acquaintance of mine who has a successful product-based business um, here in Austin, where I am, we went for a, a long walk out on the lake and she said something to me that I don't think I will ever forget. I was talking about, you know, how stuck I felt and my manager and how I wasn't sure if the style coaching thing could even be a business. And like, was I 
totally out of my mind to try to decide to just quit, even though I didn't have clients and I didn't have anything set up. Um, and she just looked at me and said, when you talk about this, you like your whole demeanor changes, your whole face lights up, you smile, you like the, I can hear it in your voice. I can see it in your face. You know, she was like, I don't know if it matters right now, if you have everything set up or clients or certain things, she was like, you believe in this. And that means that you should try because you're always going to regret not trying. And that was just, that was the catalyst. Like I went home and like, I just like mulled over that for a days and days and days. And then I like rage quit the next week. I was like, why am I spending all of my energy for like somebody else's vision, for somebody's vision that I don't even agree with when my whole heart is yearning to go try this? And, you know, what if it doesn't work? Well, so what if it doesn't work? then we go do something else. Right. And so it was just like letting that fear go and just being like, you know what, we're going to figure it out. And I think, like you said, that's when you really find out what you're capable of and what you can do because it, it matters suddenly in a really different way. Um, and of course, then I spent the first two months of like March and April of 2020, just being like, Oh God, what have I done? Like, could you have picked worse timing to leave your, your job? You know, there was like the economy was in such a, there's just so much uncertainty. And so definitely I had to go through this like dark tunnel of like, oh, I've made this terrible mistake. <laughs> I think that that's, I'm laughing right now because I think everybody who leaves their job to start their business still goes through that dark tunnel, regardless of what the economy looks like. I mean, I know I did. I was terrified when I gave my notice after I left my nine to five job. Uh, but before we dive into, I, I know we were starting to pivot to talk about that imposter syndrome a little bit. So I really don't want to stop pivoting, but I'm going to anyway, because I want people to talk a little bit, or I want you to hear, oh my gosh, I want you to tell people what a personal style coach is. So like what I want to paint the picture of like what it is you do on a daily basis or what you do with your clients. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, to, to pivot us back, part of this is actually part of what I want to talk about around self-trust and imposter syndrome because style coaching, like sometimes I feel like I kind of made this job up and I know a few other people who are like starting to get into this same style coaching, but not being a personal stylist. And, you know, anytime you go kind of off the beaten path like that, and you're not doing something that's like expected or, or that other people know what they, that you have somebody to model on that's definitely uh, part of the imposter syndrome and self-doubt story too. So um, yeah, I, so as a personal style coach, I work with my clients to, you know, really help them define their style, look at their shopping habits, um, their self-identity. Um, so we do a mix of style education. So what even is your style? You know, how do your clothes fit? How do you know what you like? Um, you know, what, how, how do you know fabrics and fabric quality and colors and like there's just a lot of things that you can actually learn it's not just like oh is this outfit trendy it's you know there's actual style related education um but i'm not a personal stylist or a personal shopper right so a lot of personal stylists typically will help you clean out your closet they'll take you shopping like you go to the mall and they usually make commission off of the clothes that you buy and they'll make a whole outfit lookbook for you like 
head to toe jewelry, makeup, shoes, accessories, everything. And like that is a, a service that they provide. But I'm a lot more interested in teaching my clients the skills they need to you know, navigate beauty standards and shop for themselves. And, you know, it's not like making outfits that adhere to conventional beauty standards or trends, but, you know, I'm just way more interested in like the mindset and emotional support, the habit science, the self-reflection, so like all this other stuff. So the, I guess the core difference is that I don't shop for my clients. Um, I help them learn how to do it themselves. And so I say that there's a lot of um, personal style, personal values and personal growth. And I think they all kind of relate because clothes are so much more than just about clothes. I am so obsessed with this idea because as somebody who knows nothing about clothes, this is like so, so appealing to me personally, especially because of my like weight gain and weight loss journey over the years. It's really difficult to find clothes that fit you and just feel really comfortable regardless of what stage of life you're in. So if you're on the thinner side or if you're on the heavier side or whatever it is, I think it's really important to, like you said, really focus on the person underneath the clothes. And I love that you do that and you kind of help them to transform from the inside out. And then you just had clothes on top of it. Right. Am I kind of getting that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I say inside out for a reason. You know, I think you hear a lot of times like, uh, you know, like fake it till you make it or like dress, you know, dress for the job you want, like this kind of thing. And I, I really talk with my clients a lot about how our clothes can help us channel a feeling, but they can't create something, right? Like if you're not feeling prepared to go into this presentation at work, it doesn't matter how good you look. It doesn't matter how good your outfit is. Like you're not going to feel prepared. And if you are prepared but nervous, then an outfit can be armor. It can help you feel like and access that feeling. And it can really help you navigate beauty standards because there are like real true effects for, you know, thin women or for looking groomed or for like appearing in a certain way. Like this is, it's both human nature and it's societal BS. And so like there's multiple layers of it, but like navigating that is a way that we can use clothes to to feel better, you know, about ourselves and about the way that we interact with other people. Yeah, no, I think that's so incredible. So are you all self-taught? Did you go to school to learn about like the different types of fabrics and everything? How did, how did you come up with this idea, I guess? So this is actually, man, this was a real place of, um, of self-doubt for a very long time because yeah, I'm definitely, uh, definitely self-taught in the sense that there's a ton of information out there, right? You you can go to school for fashion, obviously. You can go to school, you know, and learn about textiles. You can get image consulting certifications and things like that. But part of this for me was that I went through, like I said, I went through my own journey. Like I was in that same place where like I had gotten married. I had this like my job and I was still like, over shopping and going to the mall and like constantly buying things. And I was like, this is not how I want to act. And it, you know, it wasn't really about, it was about how I looked, but it was also like, this is not how I want to spend my money. This is not how I want to spend my time. These are not the kinds of things I want to say to myself. And so I did, I had my own like five or six year journey of learning about, learning about style, learning about fabrics, learning about fit and proportion. I've read so many books, so many articles, like I've done all the worksheets, like I, like I, I've spent so, so, so many hours and it was just all trial and error. And, you know, 
I am sure that there are lots of things that I still could learn and like things that I can still improve on. But I actually, it got to some point when I was thinking about this as a business that I was like, you know what? I don't want to like go get an image certification, an image consulting certification, because so much of what you learn in a lot of those certifications is how to make clothes look quote unquote flattering. Like it's very, very much in white Eurocentric thin centric, like how do we make you look as thin and, you know, flattering and like conventional as possible. And I just wasn't really interested in that. And so, you know, I, like, I don't think I need to know how fabrics and textiles are made in great detail, like have this like, you know, like there, there are some levels of that that I just don't think are necessary because when I'm working with clients, I think one of the biggest things that I bring to the table is activating them. It's helping them self-reflect. It's helping them look at their own habits. It's helping them change their behavior. And that's less, again, to do with clothes and more to do with like, how do you coach somebody? How do you get to be a good coach? And so that's, I think, my growth edge is like, can, should I get, like, how do I get a coaching certification? What's the right one? Like, how do I get better at that kind of thing? Um, because I think we all have a lot of inner wisdom about our style that doesn't require formal education. We just have to figure out what we like. And I think that's possible without formal education. For sure. And I don't think that it only applies to the personal style industry as well. I think that's the case for everything. Like I, nobody taught me how to start a virtual assistant business five years ago. How do you do a business? How do you do your taxes? Right. I didn't go to school for that. Right. I taught myself everything that I know. And now I teach other people the same thing. So they don't have to learn everything that I did on my own and waste all that money throughout right. or, or, not waste, but spend the money throughout the years. Go through go through trial and error. You know, we right. we learn by imitating others. Um and I think that's sort of frowned upon. Um, but the research is actually really clear on this that as humans we learn by imitation. Um, if you or your listeners want to find out more about this, there's a really amazing book called The Extended Mind by Annie Murphy. And she talks about all the ways that we extend our brain and like how we learn, not just like brain bound, like sitting and thinking, um, but we learn by movement, we learn by role play. We, and, and one of the things is that we learn by imitating others. And it's a really powerful way to figure out what the hell you're doing. So, you know, I did a lot of imitating others, like, oh, I like that Instagram post. I like this email. I like the way that they're setting something up. And so, you know, not plagiarism, right? I think we often think imitating is like either copying or stealing. But, you know, as a coach, you you teach other people to imitate you. Like, how do I model the behavior or the the strategy or the skill that I want? And that's a way that we practice it. And so, you know, I, I, that was a real like oh yeah, it's okay for me to like copy other people and like see what's out there and like merge it into my own business or my own, um, my own teachings to my clients. Um, and you know, you were kind of talking about personal style versus style coaching. And and that was one place where I didn't have anything to model after, right. There were influencers or stylists. And so, but that was the place where I had to be like, okay, well, uh like do i do a course or a service or like what does this look like what do i actually do with my clients like how how do you actually help them do the thing um and then in all these other places i was like i'm just gonna copy the experts because they've already they've already tested it they've already figured it out and that totally just works Mm -hmm. yeah and this leads us perfectly into our topic today so let's talk about 
the imposter syndrome that you've come up against, the self-doubt, and how you differentiate between those two? Like, What lessons have you learned up until this point in your business? Oh, so many. Um, so yeah, I mean, I feel like I, the biggest lesson, I think the thing that I want to start with, especially at my whole first year was really balancing, you know, self-doubt and self-trust. Like what I had, I made $8,000 in 2020. It's like my first almost a year. And it was just like, is this working? Is Is this thing on? Like how, you know, and so there's this constant balancing of, of like wins and pragmatism and like, where am I? And I think, you know, we often think like, it's not working because our timelines are really short. And especially when you're very early in your business, it's like, you'll have like one standout month or like one really good thing would happen. Um, I remember sometime in the summer of 2020, I got two clients in one month and I was like, it's working. And then by October, I was like, this is a disaster. Nothing is working. Uh, like I'm going to make zero dollars for the whole rest of this year. I have no idea, you know, and that roller coaster is, you know, between like that self-trust and that self-doubt. Um, and, and so figuring out like, how do I kind of balance those scales, right? Like what actually is working, what's not working, um, you know? And so for me, it was like my monthly revenue was going up, but it was really irregular. So like the average was going up, but I would still have like a thousand dollar month, a zero dollar month, a $50 month. I was like, this is not working but I am making money and like my sales calls were converting, but getting people to book sales calls was like random. Right. And so, you know, my clients were seeing results, but I wasn't talking about it in my marketing. And so that helped me balance like, uh, where do I need to focus on like what actually is or isn't working. Um, but especially that first year, it's just like total roller coaster. Um, oh, it still is a roller coaster. I'm not <laughs> like I'm five, almost five and a half years in, and it's still a roller coaster, but for different reasons now. But if it makes you feel any better, my first year in business, I made all of $53. So, oh, yeah. I mean, you know, definitely outpaced. outpaced we, can, we, can talk, we can talk about comparison too, but yeah, for um, sure. You know, it's just like you're, you're on your own journey. And so we were just talking about imitating and copying and, um, or not copying, but we were just talking about imitating. And so there's some things that you can't imitate and that's like somebody else's outcomes. You're on your own journey. And so I think back to imposter syndrome, comparison is a big part of that. And we can kind of, I have lots of things to say about comparison, so we can dive into that. But first I want to go on a whole rant about imposter syndrome. Is that okay? Yeah, let's do it. And I do want to talk about comparison too, because this is something that I fell victim to for long time. So yes, go on your rant. Okay. So imposter syndrome, I, you asked, you know, how do we differentiate between self-doubt and imposter syndrome? And I, this was something that I spent a lot of time thinking about, um, in my tech job because I don't know, 2014, 15 imposter syndrome was like really becoming a topic in the tech world. And I actually gave a, a conference talk in that part of my career about imposter syndrome. It was just like the topic uh, at the time, especially as like diversity and um, the experiences of women in tech became a big topic. And so it was all like, how do you navigate your own imposter syndrome and like all this? And it has become really clear. There was a really great article in Harvard Business Review um, called Stop Telling Women They Have Imposter Syndrome. This came out last year or earlier this year. 
Um, and so this is something that I've been really re-exploring in my entrepreneurship journey um, is that imposter syndrome does not take into account all of like the systemic impacts of why we feel this way and why we feel this self-doubt. So, you know, the original imposter syndrome research was done in the 70s and the impact of, you know, systemic racism, classism, like biases, gender bias, like was really absent in that research. And uh, so in this article, they say what's less explored is why imposter syndrome exists in the first place and what role workplace systems play in exacerbating it. Um, imposter syndrome puts the blame on individuals without accounting for the historical and cultural context of how it manifests, especially uh, for women of color. And it really has us um, thinking about like, how do we fix ourselves? Like what's wrong with me? And not like what's wrong with the system that makes me feel this way. And so, you know, think about the things that happen to you that make you feel imposter syndrome. And especially like they're talking about in, in workplaces, but it's like, oh, having your ideas be ignored being spoken over like the the impact of being the only woman in the room or the only black woman or you know like it those biases and the way that people relate to you impacts your success and that you turn that back on yourself and you go oh well i must have imposter syndrome like i my what if i may what if the ideas you know my idea is not being accepted is because my ideas are bad like we turn it back on ourselves. And so I have really started to um, think about this in my own journey as being unsure and like having doubts is completely normal. Like not knowing things is not imposter syndrome, right? And it's like, I am awesome and I have doubts. Like that doesn't mean that I have imposter syndrome. Like I don't have a syndrome, like this is not, like uh, she says in the article that syndrome recalls the female hysteria diagnoses of the 19th century. I'm like, I don't have a syndrome. I just have doubts. Like that's normal. Um, right. I love, and, I love that. Can you repeat what you said? You said, I don't, I don't have doubts. I have, oh, what did uh, you say? Uh, I have like, like, I think I'm awesome. Like I have good ideas and I have doubts, you know? And I, right. I think the way that that's um, shown up for me is like, I have doubts and I trust myself. That's like it. it's not I have a binary. And I trust myself. Right. Yeah. Like those are both true. And it's not like a medical <laughs> like syndrome. <Right. laughs> um, you know, you, you can't know everything. And we, you talked about this about like, you know, there's so many things that I didn't know. Like nobody taught me how to start a business. Like as a solo entrepreneur, when you are starting, you have to start figuring it all out. Like nobody, you, you can't learn it all at once. You can't be expected to already know it all at once. And so you're either going to accept that it's a constant beginner, constant growth mindset, but you're always going to be learning things or you're going to get totally overwhelmed and give up. And you have to separate, or at least I had to separate this idea of like doubts and not knowing equals imposter syndrome. And not I'm not going to be successful because there's all these things that I don't know. And just the things that I don't know and the things that I do know, the, the places that I do trust myself. So it's so interesting that you view it from that perspective because I don't view it from that perspective at all for myself personally. When I think of imposter syndrome for myself, it's more about comparison than anything else, like comparing myself to somebody who is further along, who I feel like I should be at that same level or even further 
than that person. But yeah, I don't view it as like a different, um, I don't know. How did you phrase that? Like, um, like not knowing something at a certain level. Yeah. That's so interesting. I mean, I think this is the other part that makes having conversations about something like imposter syndrome really difficult is because everybody experiences it in kind of a different way. So like that classic definition in the research is, you know, you feel like a fraud and you feel like you're going to be found out. Um, right. That, you know, other people are going to discover that you don't know what you're talking about. And that that is, again, like I, I have definitely felt that I that was a big thing that was really hard for me, especially in my first year as I started uh, marketing. And so especially when I started like, oh, I'm going to be on a podcast. Oh, I'm going to post this thing on Instagram. I'm going to send this email. You know, and it's like, talk about the myths in your industry. Talk about, you know, things that you, you know, your take, your unique take and all this. And I'm like, oh God, if I put my opinions out there, like then I can be judged, right? Like then somebody can be like, you are an absolute fraud. You have no idea what you're talking about. There's something that you didn't even consider. And that fear was, and and sometimes still is very real for me, but I also don't think it's like, I don't like to think of it as like, oh, I have this syndrome that I have like live in this constant fear of being found out. And if you you know, extrapolating that to like, there's things that I don't know, like there's always going to be things that I don't know. And so if at any point on my journey, I refuse to market myself or try things or try to do my taxes, like, and I, and I get it wrong, like that doesn't mean that I have like, that that's a reason that I can't be successful. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Oh, I was just going to say, um, I, I mean, part of my journey, it's pretty similar to that. I was a virtual assistant for three years before I said, before I decided to move into the coaching space and actually help people. And it was that imposter syndrome was definitely um, showing up more in the early days. Like you were talking about with feeling like a fraud and all that. Cause I'm like, who am I to show other people how to do this? Like, sure. I've done it for myself, but am I good enough? Can I actually show other people how to do these things, even though Sure, I may have done it, but yeah, so I can definitely relate to that too. And I think it also comes with, I mean, time for sure. And then you also gain more experience, more confidence, all of that. And I would say, I mean, for me personally, confidence is a big one and something that I've had to work on just over the years and do a lot of deep internal work. Have you noticed that that's come up for you at all? Sorry, can you repeat that? Last question. Yeah, no, you're fine. So I was asking about um, like having to do some deep internal work and tap into um, just different levels of confidence. Yeah, definitely. And I, you know, we'll we'll go back to comparison, but um, you know, I for me that definitely showed up to the like, well, I've done it for myself, but that doesn't mean it's going to work for somebody else. And there's. I, like, I, yes, definitely so much internal work, so much like self-coaching, so much like getting other, getting coaches, getting help. Um, you know, they say that entrepreneurship is mostly a personal growth journey. And it's really true because every single fear and money story and like self-doubt and like all the little like gremlins in your head, like they are all going to come out. And, you know, you said earlier, new level, new devil, like you think you got them and then you get to this new place and you're like, well, there they are again. And so there's always, always, always going to be that. But 
you know, I think the best epiphanies that we have are sometimes the really obvious sounding ones. And so I've, I've tried to like keep track of those when I have those like little enlightened moments where I'm like, oh, like that's, that's the thing that's been holding me back. Or like, that's the reframe of the story that I've been telling myself. Um, and one of them, you know, especially around, you know, is this going to work for other people is I'm qualified to do this work because my clients are getting results. Like period. Drop the mic right now. (laughs) I love that. I mean, it's, it's working for them, right? Like I'm getting a testimonial that a client is like, this changed my life. This was so helpful. Like I never thought about it this way. Therefore, what I am doing is working. And that doesn't mean that I couldn't get better at it. It, Like, and it doesn't, you know, there's always room for improvement, but I, I spent a lot of time and again, like in a cyclical way, right? Like at first it was like trying to start getting clients and like trying to sell a package, a coaching package that like looked all official. And I was like, well, how do I make this how do I make it clear what we do inside? And like, how do I make it sound like you're going to get results? And like, what are those results? You know, especially at the beginning when I didn't have very many testimonials, it was like, well, how do I not sound like a fraud? Not because I didn't think it worked, but because I didn't have social proof. And then later, so I just, I was doing one-on-one for a while and now I have a group program. And so as I was developing the group program, it like all came back up and it was like, well, just because it worked one-on-one, doesn't mean that it's going to work when I do it in this group format. And it's like, look, my clients are getting results, period. Am I incentivized? Am I really, really excited to do better? Yes. Like the end. And so, you know, self-trust for me there is like really finding the core kernel of what I believe and like really, really holding on to that, you know, um, knowing what my strengths are, knowing that my clients are getting results, knowing that I am personally just just as an individual, not even as a business owner, really driven to always be improving. Like I want to get better at things. I want to be better at whatever I'm doing. I want to learn more. And so just like holding on to that and being like, you know what? I'm not going to get it all right. And it's still working. And can it be better? Yes. Let's figure out how to make it be better. That doesn't mean that like it has to be better now because I get better as I grow and I practice. And part of what makes it possible for me to get results for my clients is that I have clients and I try things. And so, you know, just like really holding on to that and being like, we're going to we're going to figure it out. And I think you know, approaching that with a genuine heart for your clients and just being like, how, how can I do better for you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I know we're both in the coaching space, but even as like done for you service providers or something, you're still giving your clients a transformation. Like it's all about the transformation. Or if you're, I don't know, if you're a massage therapist, if your client steps up off of that table and they feel better than they felt in their entire life, you have given that client what they want. So done, right? We're, we're dropping the mic. Your clients are getting results, right? So I, I just period. love how, period, period. <laughs> yes. I love how you phrase that. And it's just so important to talk about because I think so many people just overthink it. It's like, well, my client wanted to reach, I don't know, $10,000 a month, but they only got to 9.9,000. So now I'm a failure. Failure. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I am a failure and I can never coach another person again. And I have to turn my business. Like I have to just quit everything, but that's not the case at all. Like you said, we're always continuing to grow and evolve. And the clients that you work with, 
three years from now, they're going to get a much different experience than the clients that you work with now. It just ha naturally happens That's that just way. how it is. Yeah, something something I heard um, at one point, and I, I don't remember from where, but I heard another coach say, your clients get the results that they need. And that was really, really helpful for me because I think the one of the biggest things, the biggest problems when we have this idea, like, well, it worked for me, that doesn't mean it's gonna work for other people, is, well, what if they don't get to exactly where I'm at now? Like I went through this journey and I came out with this result for me, but what if they only get halfway? Like, you know what? You're going to have clients for whom halfway is like mind blowing and they may not be where you are now, but it is still incredibly powerful, incredibly transformational. Um, you know, I think sometimes we are like way too close to our own knowledge. Like we forget what's hard. We forget how far we've come and where we started. And like our ideas have become really like commonplace to us. Um, you know, so I, when I'm in the depths of this and I'm like, nobody cares, everybody's talking about this. I don't have anything original to say. Like my clients are like, how, how can I teach them from like this, this stuck place that they're at? Like, how do I get them out? Like how you know, they're like, they don't want to hear this stuff or like they don't understand or like the the stuff that my clients are responding to is like basic stuff. Like, I don't want to teach style 101. Like I can get really down in that place of like, I don't have anything original to say. And the best advice I have when you're in that place is go talk to people, go, go talk to your clients, go talk to leads, like go talk to your, your coach or just like somebody else, like a friend, because sometimes like I, I, I always believe that I have to drop these like deep, super intense, like content drops. I'm like, you've never heard anybody talk about this ever before. And like, I'm going to blow your mind. And there's like, it's like a dissertation, you know, but like, <clears throat> so you can just talk about basic. And I, and I, I say basic, like not in an insulting way, but I mean like foundational stuff. Like the way that I approach style is different than a lot of other people. And sometimes I just need to go talk to a client and just talk about something that's like very foundational. And they're just like, oh, mind blown emoji. And I'm like, again, like it's not, it's not an, ins an insulting thing. It's not like, oh, you're so like basic or like you don't know anything. It's just like, oh yeah, what I'm doing is really impactful. And like, that's really valuable to you. And I'm like, oh, okay, this is a good idea. Like I have things to say that are really helpful, helpful to people. And I don't have to like, push the edges of my own knowledge, like I can still be helping people with like the foundational stuff. And that's like, as my clients grow, they grow with me and then I can, I can push and push and push. And so that's, you know, if you're, if you're feeling that way, like that's the, go talk to your clients, go talk to your leads and be like, what's, what was blowing your mind? And you're going to be like, oh yeah, like this is really helpful. <laughs> that's such a, that's so true. And such a good tip for people, because it's so funny. I'll have like emails or social media posts that I'll put up with like this very, like you said, like foundational information. And those get some of the most engagement out of anything. And I'm like, this is what you, this is it. Like This is what, this you, is what you want to hear about. But it's, you know, it's not, and I think there's a fine line here to be like, oh, my clients, you know, or like, oh, people are stupid or they want this basic stuff or like, but it's not true. It's just, you are guiding them through something that they don't know how to do yet. Um, we talked about imitating before and like that's part of the service that we offer is, you know, so I invested in a, in a group program 
to help me do my group program. And there was a lot of shame for me there of like, like I figured it out for myself. And like, you know, I should know how to, I should just be able to like get it myself. And, um, you know, I needed to hear somebody say like, here's how you set this up. And it was not, so for, for that coach, for her, like it's not pushing her limits. It's her basic content. It is her foundational message. And I was like eating it up with a spoon. I was like, listen to every podcast, read every blog, like watch the videos three times. I was like, I got to know everything about this because it was new to me and it was pushing me. And that's like her core message. And that was really inspiring to me to be like, oh, you know, I get to the next like six to 18 months, like hitting my one-on-one client limit, maxing out my revenue, or I can make this investment and I can go learn from somebody who's already done that. And her core message is so appealing to me because I'm like, I need to know all those things. Like I need to, I need to have that foundation. And and so that has really helped inspire me to think about like, what is my core message to my clients? Like, who am I talking to? And what is the thing that they're like, yeah, give me more of that because I need that. I need to know every single detail. I think it's so easy to forget, sorry for cutting off, that a lot of our clients, they're obviously not at the level that we are, right? They're a few steps back. And sometimes it gets really hard to kind of put yourself in that like few steps back mindset because you're already a few steps ahead, right? So I I mean, for me personally, that has been difficult because I'm like, oh, this is so like foundational, like people don't need this. But that's like you said, like that's what they that's what they need. That's what they need at that point in their journey. And that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, it's just really trying to put yourself in your client's mindset. And I think that's one of the hardest things, you know, especially as a coach, we say, like, I've been there and I understand. And that's true. And also that was maybe some number of years ago, or the growth edge that you're experiencing is you know, some other thing in your business, right? Like you're, you're working on a different growth edge. Like for me personally, my style is not my growth edge right now. It is not where I am spending my time and money and attention and energy. Um, I got it kind of on autopilot and like, now I do it for fun. Like I think about evolving my style as like a fun hobby. And so I'm not experiencing the same kind of agony and comparison and like scrolling on social media and like, you know, the, the buy, wear, regret cycle, like I'm not doing that anymore. And it doesn't mean that I did. I mean, I did it in the past. Like I have been there, but I have to go back mentally. Um, and so I actually often will, when I'm trying to write content for this place, because like that, that's where my clients are. Right. And I really, I, I want to support them and I want to get in their head and I want them to be like, oh yeah, like Elise gets it. Like she gets me. She has been there. She understands like the depths of this pain of like the, the stuff with tags on in my closet and like the morning wardrobe crisis that I'm going through like three days a week where I'm like having a meltdown and like my bedroom's messy and I like I'm late to work and like, I was, like look, I did all that. And so I go back and look at my old journals. I go back and look at my old uh, style notes from when I was trying to do capsule wardrobes, like when I was early in my style journey. And I actually use a lot of my own wording in my content from like my own pain, <laughs> but but I'm not experiencing it now. And so, you know, we were we talked about this a minute ago, but it's like, I don't have to push my own edges 
like my own growth edge in my foundational message to my clients. And like, that's why it's so, so, so important, I think, to have either coaches or a community, like other people who are at like where you're at or like slightly ahead of you that are going to push you. Like I need some place that I can go talk about like, so even, even for style, right? So for me, like I need friends where I can talk about where I'm at style wise and not only try, like not trying to bring my clients to where I'm at now and not trying to talk down to them and not only like keeping myself in that place, but like I need to talk about my growth edges in business and in style and like the things that I'm excited about, you know, and not doing it in a way that's like, uh, either showing off or judgy, right? Like, oh, well, I made this much money and like, this is my growth edge in business or like, um, you know, we, in style, just like one example is like, oh, well, I only bought 10 items of clothing this year. Like, because that's where I'm like, that's my growth edge is like reducing, you know, how much I'm buying and like getting a like, higher quality. I spent this much money on clothes. And like, when when you're somebody, when you're in like, overconsumption, like buy, wear, regret, hell, like looking at somebody and then being like, I only bought 10 items. And you're like, screw you. Like, that's just like, not even, it's not even aspirational anymore. You're just like being, it's just mean. And so I'm like, I need somewhere to go talk. You know, we all do like at every level, you know, in every aspect, like what is our growth edge? And then really separate that from our marketing. That was kind of a ramble, but No, no, I totally agree. That's why I have a group program as well so that I could create and facilitate that place for other people because I I know what it's like to scale your company. I've I've done it, right? So now I like to provide that space outside from one-on-one support too, you know, because like one-on-one is one thing, but there's something about a, a group coming together who, like you said, are at that same level, who can bounce ideas off of one another, who can just be there when people need to talk, right? Like I think people really underestimate that, but yeah, I completely agree with that. Yeah. And it's, I think it really helps balance the comparison, right? So, you know, we, we need sometimes to just not feel alone. Um, you know, this is something that this just happened to me. I had a, um, I used a client as a case study in a training that I just did. And the chat in the training was like, blowing up when I was giving the her case study and they were like I this is me like I I totally relate I do the same thing like this is amazing and so I sent a screenshot of the chat to this client and I was like thank you for letting me use you as a case study and she was like now I'm crying because I felt so alone and it's just so powerful to realize that other people feel the same pain that I feel and so Yes, absolutely. One of the reasons that group is really powerful, whether that's whether we're talking about for your clients or or for yourself, right? Like you need to be at a place where you can be like, is anybody else feeling this like some kind of way and have other people go again, not, oh yeah, I felt that way five years ago, you'll get over it. Or I have no idea what you're talking about. Wow, it must be so nice to have these champagne problems and you're worried about making 10K months. Like you need somebody else to be like, yeah, I feel that too. Like that is where we are. That's the pain that I feel right now. Um, so yeah, absolutely needing, needing others to like bounce those ideas off of. And and yeah. it helps you to be like, oh yeah, there are other people where I'm at. So I'm not always just like comparing to where other people are. For sure. No, I, I completely agree with this. And we could talk about this. I feel like for hours and hours and hours, but I don't like to have these episodes go on for too long. 
but we, oh my gosh, the amount of stuff that we talked about today was incredible. And I love that you came prepared with like studies and articles to read from. You are my type of gal. I love it. But um, thank you it's again. Just how for my being, brain works. No, I love it. I love it. Well, thank you again for being here. And where can everybody connect with you if they want to talk more about this topic or if they want to get styled or not styled, not if, styled. They, <laughs> if they need help with their personal style through coaching? Yeah, absolutely. So I definitely look me up on Instagram. That is going to be the easiest place. Um, it's Elise Holiday. I'm sure that you will put it in the show notes. Um, and, you know, just if you're curious, like send me a DM. I total extrovert. I would love to know what's going on style wise with you if you're listening or if you have questions. Um, so definitely just send me a message over there. Um, you mentioned my website, but I also want to drop uh, you can find out more about my program at unfolding.style. So if you are curious a little bit about um, you know, what I actually do inside the program, like what does a style coach do? What is this program? Like how might I uh, work with, how might you work with me? Um, so yeah, you can find out more about that. It's uh, my program is called The Unfolding is a personal style and self-development lab and that is unfolding.style. Love it. Thank you so much for sharing all of that. And yes, all of that will be linked in the show notes. So thank you again for being here today. Thank you so much for having me. It was really fun.